Good morning. You can go ahead and have a seat. This morning uh, is three things joined together. They come together this morning and uh, form what we're going to be doing together today. Uh, three different things. The first is it's the week before Thanksgiving. It's a time when our heart turns toward thankfulness and joy. What have you done for us, God, and why are we grateful? The second thing that comes together today is today is Christ the King Sunday. It is our last Sunday in ordinary time. If you come next week, Jan and I will be in, in our vestments and our robes because next week is Advent 1, is the beginning week we begin that. And so today is the last day of ordinary time, but that's not the thing that is coming together and joining. It is what the church refers to as Christ the King Sunday. It's a day we just set aside and we consider Christ as our King. And then the third thing that comes together today is the sacrament of Eucharist and baptism. We're going to take, in a few minutes, we're all going to walk down the hall and we're going to watch Marcus be baptized. Now, you may say that's a lot for one day, but it is not actually a lot for one day. And so if you have your Bibles and you turn to Colossians, the first chapter, Paul actually does for us, we don't have to, we don't have to bring these things together. I don't have to get cute today. Paul does it for us. And our illustration for all of this is going to happen in just a few minutes as together we watch Marcus be baptized. That'll be our illustration. I'm not going to share stories. I am just going to take us through the passage that Don read in Colossians chapter 1. And so Paul, we, we pick Paul up at a prayer. It says it right here. If you, if you have your Bibles and you look at verse 9, he says, he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And in that prayer, Paul is praying for the church at Colossians. He is praying and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul's praying for us to be filled, for the church to be filled. And Paul is praying the words of Christ. I think what we see in this first passage is actually Paul is the picture of Jesus praying for us. You know that Jesus prays for us? He talks to the Father on our behalf. He mediates for us. I mean, you want to talk about a king. We have a king that takes our praises and our needs and our worship and our glory with us to the throne. He prays for us. And I think Paul is just simply the voice of Jesus praying these things. That we may be filled with the knowledge of his will of all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Well, well, what is this? All spiritual wisdom and understanding, that's a really big title. I mean, all. That's big. What might that be? Well, we're going to skip a couple of verses. Don't worry, we'll come back. But go down with me and starting in verse 13. Paul gives us four things in this passage that he's praying for. The all is defined. So the first is in verse 13. Look at it. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved son. I mean, this is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. Because of Christ the King, we have been transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light. I don't think you got it. 
there was not enough reaction to this. I mean it. I'm walking up the aisle. I want you to get it so much. If you don't hear anything else, because of Christ the King, we have been transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light. Can somebody say amen? Amen. This is our king. And Paul goes on in verse 14, in whom Jesus, in whom we have the redemption, forgiveness of sins. One of the things at baptism that we're all going to say in a minute when we do our vows and that we're going to pray for Marcus and that we've talked about, Marcus and I have talked about, right, Marcus? Where are you? You can't hide. I see you. is that what we're doing today, what Marcus is doing today, and what we're all going to remember that we have done, is we have claimed Jesus the King as our Savior. That is rescue language, Paul just prayed, that Jesus is praying for us. It's rescue language. We were totally entrapped in the domain of darkness, but Jesus the King came and brought redemption and forgiveness so we could be transferred to his kingdom of light. Man, that's a king. That's a king that today, over and over, I'm going to invite you to follow. We're going to say it in our, we're going to say it in our liturgy. We're going to be quiet in a minute so you can consider. He's the savior king. He's the rescuer. And number two starts in verse 15. Not he is our savior, but Paul breaks into a poem in verse 15. He doesn't know how else to express about Jesus. He breaks into a poem to the king. I know, you know, maybe your, maybe your title here above this passage says the preeminence of Christ. I put in there the preeminence of Christ the king. I wrote it, I did, it's right there in pencil. It's a poem to the king. This is how it should be read, verses verses 15 and 16 and at least 17. There's a lot of discussion about where this poem starts and ends. I think we don't know because Paul's writing, and all of a sudden he gets going about the king, and he's thinking about the Savior, and he he jumps into a poem. He starts to write a poem. It should be read like this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things are bound together. Do you see the, do you see the cadence in Paul? You can almost see him doing one of these right here, right? He breaks into a poem. Because Jesus is our rescuer, he's our savior. But Marcus and I talked about this, and we're going to say it in our baptismal vows, and then we're going to pray it over Marcus after he's baptized, that yes, Jesus is our savior. And many of us are really comfortable with Jesus as savior. But Jesus is also the king. That's what the poem is about. Okay? Paul is writing a poem to the king. But in baptism... Marcus. I mean, that's true, by the way. Jesus is the king. Doesn't matter what you and I think about it. Doesn't matter, y'all. Oh, I believe it. I don't, great. 
In baptism, we say, Marcus is going to go under the water to say, and he's my king. Right? That we're going to confess today together that Jesus is Savior and Lord. The king part is where our humanness starts to go, oh, man. Because we die to ourselves today, Marcus, don't we? We say, I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm living for the king. That's what we do in baptism. I'm living for the king. All right, so that's just two. I got two more. They're fast. The third thing in verse 18. In verse 18 of this passage, Paul then goes on. Remember, we're talking about all the things he's praying. All, what is all wisdom and knowledge? We've got two of them. Jesus is the Savior. He's our rescuer. He is the king, period. And he's the head of the church. And you may go, wow, that got boring. <laughs> Poem, and then Paul's talking about church. Ugh. No, no. He's the king. He's the head of the church. And so what happens in baptism today and what we're going to say in our vows, this is beautiful. We have decided together that we are going to serve the king through his church, which means we have been invited to join something much bigger than us. And I want to just submit to you today that every human being wants to join something much bigger than ourselves. Whether we're trapped in the domain of darkness and don't know it, or we're walking in the kingdom of light and know it, it is the deepest desire of our heart. And Marcus, today you're joining something big and grand and good. It comes with forgiveness and redemption and mercy and grace. It's the church. We come together as the body of Christ to, in baptism and then to the Eucharistic table. It's good. It's a gift. It's an invitation. And we're not in charge of it. Christ is in charge of it. It's his work. It's his body. It's his movement. And the king says, come. Come join me. You know the, the, the gospel passage about Jesus? And he's sitting and the little kids come running in, and the, and the apostles are like, she said, come on, it's Jesus, shh. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. Let him come. Can you see kids crawling all over Jesus? And then he says something to us. Unless we come the same way, we'll never enter the kingdom of God. So the king is saying, come on. And we, his children, go running in and crawl all over him because he's a good king. I wonder if you know him. That's three, last one, as if that wasn't enough. We'll skip all the way to verse uh, 19. There's more here that goes around verse 19, but for the sake of time, let's just go to verse, uh, verse 19 and 20. Last thing, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Jesus, in the fullness of God, is right now, through this church and through other means, but primarily through, this, through our, the church of Jesus Christ, the big C church that we're part of, 
is making things new. He is restoring things to himself. He's drawing everything to himself. He's reconciling them. He's making them right. He is in the process of restoring the way things should be. And the word for that is shalom. Well, now that's an interesting word. Since we share a sign out front with a place called Radaf Shalom. You know what Radaf Shalom means? It means a people pursuing peace. It's an interesting word when you do the, uh, we, we do the study of it. Because in some Jewish law, when it's used in the singular, it's a person pursuing someone to do them harm. But in Jesus Christ, the King, this gets turned upside down. In God, the Father, this gets turned upside down. We're no longer a pursuer for ourselves to do others harm. We are pursuers of shalom, peace. We join Christ in drawing all things to himself. Now, what might that look like, Marcus? I didn't want you to get confused that we're talking about just you. We're talking about everybody. Because I want to say one other thing about this passage I meant to say earlier. Don't, don't forget that every one of the yous in this passage is plural. Second person plural. Okay? Now that means that every person in this room is part of this yous, right? Including what's coming. But we don't do this alone. We do this together. That's why, that's why I don't baptize people. We don't baptize people all by themselves. We do it with the body around us. It's why we don't have communion just by ourselves, unless you're sick. But even that, if we take this communion elements to people, it's that communion elements. It's been blessed. We've used it together. It's the body of Christ, been shared with the body of Christ, because we're doing this together. So what would a people of shalom look like? And now we're back up to what Paul's praying for. He goes back up to verse 10, 11, and forward. Here it is. We walk. We live the way Jesus the King says to live. It's a word of holiness. It's in verse 10. Verse 10, we witness to the King. We bear fruit. That's what people that pursue shalom do. They walk in holiness and bear fruit. They witness to Jesus. They do good works. They preach the gospel. They have conversations with their friends and their neighbors and their coworkers who are far from God. And they, they make friends first and then begin to invite them to what's important. Not the other way around. We don't, we don't make friends just to invite them to what's important. We invite people to what's important, the gospel, because we love them. They're our friends. You see that little distinction about bearing fruit? We want to be neighborly because we love people. And we love people so much that we want to tell them about Jesus the King. Because we recognize that the deepest desire of their heart is to be part of something bigger than themselves. And so because we love them, we invite them in. And some people will come in, and some won't. And they're still our friends, and they're still our neighbors, and we still love them, and we still keep inviting them. And they'll make that decision. But they don't stop being our friends and neighbors. Because we love them. We invite them to something bigger. See, that's what's happening there. And you may be saying, yeah, but Brian, what about this whole knowledge thing? We want to know God. We want to increase the knowledge of God. 
be, be really aware here, that's not a separate thing. We know Jesus the King by walking in holiness and inviting our friends to do the same thing. That's how we know. This is good. The study's good. But if that stops there, you, re- you won't know the King. It's this word in action that lets us know the King. Well, what else? That's one. That's just one, pursuing peace. We are then filled with spiritual power, aren't we? We're filled with spiritual power for this. It says this in verse 11, so that we have endurance and patience. So today, we're going to pray and talk about a new move of the Holy Spirit, Marcus, on your life. You with me still? You ducked down there a little bit. I almost missed you. You don't have to move, Miss Karen. I see him. I got him. I'm looking right at him. We're going to ask that the Holy Spirit come today and empower you in a new way so that you can endure and be patient to walk in holiness and bear fruit. And that's what we're all going to say in our vows. We're going to remember that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do this good work. And so unless we start to say, look at the work we get to do. Yes, look at the work we get to do. But it's not by our might or power. It's by His Spirit, says the Lord. This is the picture in baptism. How about this king? I wonder if you know him. He's a king that says you got to walk in holiness and bear fruit. And that things are going to get hard, so you need endurance and patience. And then he says, go ahead, good luck. No, that would be a different king. That would be the kings of the world. Our king says, you can't do that. I know you can't do that. So here's the Holy Spirit. I'll even give you the power to live in my kingdom of light. You don't have to, you don't have to make it up. I wonder if you know him. It's a good king. And then last, I mean it, we'll be done. Got to get Marcus wet here in a minute, man, right? He's like, stop talking. I want to go do it. Good, good. Verse 12, and actually the end of verse 11. For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks. Well, there's our third element, isn't it? We've talked baptism, we've talked the king, and it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. You thought I forgot. Paul didn't forget. What he's praying for is that by knowing all of the knowledge that we talked about before, that we will be pursuers of peace with joy and thanksgiving. I loved our psalm today. I love that psalm. The nations are raging, they're churning, things are bad, and the end of the psalm says what? Be still and know that I am God. The God of Jacob's your refuge. Beautiful. And so, my question today is I wonder if you know him. When we're down in our baptismal room, this is the prayer, and I'll pray it again, but this is what I'm going to pray over Marcus and over all of us who renewed our vows today. Heavenly Father, listen now, I want you, I want you to hear all the things we just talked about. We're going to pray this in the baptismal prayer, and later when you do your vows, you're going to see all this. Watch for it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that by the water and the Holy Spirit, you have bestowed upon this your servant the forgiveness of sins. And have raised him up to a new life of grace. Sustain him, O Lord, in your Holy Spirit. Give him an inquiring and discerning heart. The courage to will and to persevere. 
a spirit to know and to love you and the gift of joy and wonder in all your works. I wonder if you know this king. He's a good king. He's a good Lord. He's a great Savior. I wonder if you know him. Let's just take a minute now in quiet. And we're just going to pause. Here's what we do in this moment. Sometimes I give you specific things. Not today. My question is, I wonder if you know him. If you don't know him at all, maybe today's the day to say, I want to know him. There's not a better day than to enter into a relationship with this king than baptism. I'm telling you, than Christ the King Sunday. What a great day to say, I, I, I'm going to have a relationship with this king. Or maybe you have a deep desire to have a deeper relationship with this king. Or maybe something triggered in you today that said, oh, I, I want to know this king in this way. Let's take a minute and ask him to do it. You bow your head and close your eyes. I'll watch the time. We offer this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.